Welcome to Promo Cares Radio, where we dive into the good being done in the promotional products industry. From general philanthropy to cause marketing to giving programs, we're here to shine a light on those inspiring stories that are helping to improve the world through promo. And now, Promo Cares Radio with your host, Roger Burnett. This is Promo Cares Radio. My name is Roger Burnett, co-founder and president of Promo Cares and vice president of sales and marketing for Branded Logistics. As the host of Promo Cares Radio, I serve as your goodness valet, delivering stories about the awe-inspiring and inspirational ways promotional products distributors, suppliers, and service providers are doing good in the communities they live and serve. Promo Cares is a 100% volunteer initiative created to lift up and recognize companies in the promotional products industry using their businesses as superpowers for social good. We help suppliers, distributors, service providers, and end buyers alike become a bridge for positive social impact. We do this through best practice sharing, online and offline collaboration efforts, and helping organizations with their give back work by marketing their efforts and telling their stories. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by the CFO of industry distributor, Rod Brown of Made to Order. Rod began his advertising special career, specialty career back in 79 with Jack Nadell, where he was promoted to the management team and then hired away by the iconic industry brand Idea Man, who needed an experienced manager to open a new office. Rod then helped launch the Harwood Company in 1989 and was part of the management team that helped them grow rapidly from under a million dollars to over 13 million moving four times to larger facilities and opening remote offices. Through his experience of building and growing sales teams, Rod's developed a vision of invested partnership. He created a plan for employees to share in the success of the firm and insisted on an open book financial disclosure and involvement of the sales partners in the financial well-being of the company. He believes that employees and customers are best served by stability, experience, and transparency, and the current successful partnership model of made-to-order is the result. Rod's also been instrumental in insisting on the use of leading-edge technology to support the changing nature of customer ordering and billing systems, and today, made-to-order is a recognized leader in the industry serving clients in the Fortune 1000 with a complete set of web-enabled tools, best-in-class personal service, super responsiveness from sales partners, and made-to-order is also a member of the industry buying group Reciprocity Road, which is comprised of eight total distributors with a combined sales volume in excess of 200 million. So when Rod's not busy doing all of that stuff, he loves to cook, he loves to brew beer, he's an avid traveler, he's been to 23 countries, I heard he makes a hell of an IPA, I know he's really, really uh, excited by the mountains, loves to ski. He might even do some fishing if you give him a chance. But most of all, if you pull in the neighborhood, chances are you're going to find him in the garage with his cars and his tools, hanging out next to that keg of homebrew. Rod, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. But I tell you, I want to hide after you give all the marketing buzz about how terrific the company is because... You know, I happen to know what it really is. <laughs> it's just, it's hard work, um, you know, and we try to, to achieve those things you talked about. 
Well, I'm not sure we get that close to them, but but we're working hard towards it anyway. But I do. I get a little embarrassed when people sort of say, uh, "Oh, the great marketing spin." You know, I, I'm just a I'm just a sales guy selling coffee mugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, Rod, honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's about relationships, and yeah. we like to think that we're successful in our business, and yeah. certainly revenue and profit are measures of our success, but. You know, you and I are going to talk a whole lot about things that don't necessarily have to do with the bottom line today. And yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, yeah, we know that you guys kill it to the best of your ability over there. So and uh, my task is to flatter you in the first two minutes of the show. So I'm going to assume that, uh, that we're going to well, call it, we're going to call that job well done and move on. There right? you, there you go. All right. Buddy. <laughs> All right. So. um uh, you know, there's there's a couple of different ways I can start the conversation, but I, I want to give the, some some thoughts about you know Rod Brown, the man behind the guy who's selling coffee mugs over there at uh, at Made to Order. You know, you you've had a long career in the industry that yeah. has uh, sh- shown some some twists and turns in relationship to that. But um, you know, I've always there's, there's a group of us within the industry who would like to s- say that we are give first people. And I, I believe you are the case, but or, or that you fit that model, but I want to give you the opportunity to state why you believe that being give first is important. Well, you know, I, oh boy, where do you start on this path? I think, you know, I'm gonna go back to my, my mom, like literally my mom, you know, lived through Second World War and in England and, um, uh, you know, she ended up marrying a GI. But when we were kids growing up, my mom would always have this saying that sort of says, if you have the ability, you have the responsibility. Okay. Right? It, you know, like if you can, you must. Right. right. And really what that meant was you got to look out for your fellow man. You got to help somebody, you know, during the war, it was help them whatever they could do during the blitz. But if you have the ability, then you have the obligation. And yeah. that kind of always stuck with me a little bit, you know, to, you know, it's kind of like that Bible verse, I'll butcher it, but, you know, to uh, to those whom much is given, much is uh, required, yeah. you know. Um, you know, and, and so I, I think I took that to heart fairly early on, and um, I always um, tried with any entrepreneurial, you know, gig, any company I had, to try and instill in my employees the sense of partnership, even though partner is a legal term and they weren't necessarily partners in the business, I tried to instill a sense that it was their company. And and one of the ways that we would do that was through a you know, classic stock option plan so that if the company were to change hands, they would participate in the upside potential of that that exchange through the option plan. You know, just again, trying to always instill an idea that it was their company beyond a paycheck, right? And in my early days, you know, when we were bootstrapping it and really tapped out and broke, there was no way I could, you know, kind of doing some of these more charitable works. But we could always, you know, volunteer. You could serve on boards. You could coach the sports teams. You could say, yes, you know, I'll do it, right? Um, you know, whether it's working at church or going, uh, you know, on clean up the beach days or something, Whatever it was, I, I like the idea of neighborliness, of community involvement, of a lot of small things add up to big changes, right? So you, you kind of do whatever you can do to do the right thing 
you're going back to like literally my mom, you know, sort of saying, if you can, you must, right? Yeah. Um, so, Rod, I'm curious. I mean, it's not often do you hear of this kind of imprinting at such an early age. I mean, so are you are you 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 talking six six seven year old Rod is hearing this message at just the incredibly. Far I'm not sure I can recall that yeah. far back, Roger. In yeah. '64, that's a long time. Back. <laughs> but uh, I mean, so but you, I mean, so you, you know, literally, I mean, you know, I mean, but very young age. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe not quite that young, but definitely, you know, in, in middle school and in high school, you know, um, volunteerism and volunteer work was always just part of the principle of yeah. the family, you know, especially my mom. Yeah. You know? Well, and. And I, I think, you know, I, I would say to you from uh, my perspective, you know, looking both ahead at what you did as a result of how you were imprinted. And then even looking back back now to my kids who are all in their mid, you know, early and mid 20s. And then that notion was not necessarily as universal to a generation of yours as it is to theirs. And it's interesting to watch now how that group of people as they're entering the marketplace and the workforce are looking for those opportunities to be able to do what you describe. So it's probably a unique opportunity for you from your position to be able to connect with that group in a way that's really meaningful to them as a result of what your mom taught you at a really early age. I do think that my sons, my sons are the same sort of, you know, early 20s, middle 20s um, that yours are, Roger. And I think that they have a stronger sense of that truly in their generation than I did in mine. Um, and, and hopefully some of what, you know, I've handed down from my from their grandmother to them has also stuck. But, you know, I, I do think it's a little different now and hopefully for the better. Well, I think... Um... Uh, unlike our collective majority time operating as a for-profit industry in the past, it really wasn't necessary per se for you to have a position when it came to making the world a better place in order to be able to command the credibility and respect of your potential buying community. And I really feel like that that's changed. Yeah, I think it has. In it a lot of ways, has, yeah. you know, and, and it's, a reflection of those buyers bringing those expectations to the marketplace that's helping to define where the market's going to go you know from this point forward so you know if we do nothing else in this discussion it's to help frame for the listener perhaps how might you be able to organize yourself in a way that is successful when meeting that test as it's being given in the marketplace today and it's a little bit why I wanted to both start with uh, a description of your giving background and being a give first person because you know we really want to take this discussion in sort of a very direct mm -hmm. um, direction when it comes to what we want to talk about and that has a lot to do with buying groups and you know for the uninitiated on the on this uh, on this podcast who maybe aren't familiar with what we're talking about you know th there's opportunities for distributors within the marketplace to be able to participate in groups of like-minded or um, similarly grouped or, you know, just there's organizations that will allow you the opportunity to participate with uh, an, 
at an exponentially larger volume of your own buy than your own buying should you so decide to participate and rod I know you have a long background in this and I know we have kind of a, a specific direction we want to take this discussion, but before we get to maybe the more um, finite points of what we're talking about, can you help the listener sort of frame of reference what we're talking about when it comes to a distributor buying group? What does What's that typically look like? Well, you know, essentially I've always believed that a buying group is basically collective bargaining. You know, that's really probably the primary reason that that they were formed was for purposes of aggregating their their uh, net purchases in such a way to try and focus a much more meaningful number and thereby be able to negotiate some sort of preferential you know treatment preferential pricing better service levels more information flow whatever it might be but it just essentially comes back to collective bargaining I, yeah. I feel is really what the the, the 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 genesis of sort of the buying was and I really I don't even like the name buying group at least for our group I don't like it it may be the best nomenclature that there is but it, it's something that I think that we're we're sort of distinctly different than that um, you know uh, and, and maybe maybe not maybe that's just my own perception but um, I look to think look at it as, as a guild or a collective um, of, of fairly you know diverse individuals but sort of a similar size business that collectively, um, you know, exchange ideas with themselves and invite um, vendor participation um, with a desire to, uh, you know, get a better level of service or, or an increased, uh, you know, rebate volume or whatever it might be. You know, we definitely try and use collective bargaining, but it was also really just sharing best practices and ideas with each other and trying to collapse the distance between our shared end user customer and our vendor partners and ourselves. You know, yeah. Try and really, you know, get, get a better experience for all parties concerned by, by collectively, you know, going at the business with fewer, you know, select vendor partners and uh, and and uh, and a more transparent view into our our large our key end user clients. So, you know that's why I like to you know again it, it may be just hiding from the fact that we use it for collective bargaining. <laughs> but in our in our own group, you know, we try very hard not to jam it down the throats of our vendor partners. Right. Right. You know, we have a mandate that says it has to be X dollars that we get. We enter into a discussion with them and sort of said, "Can we make this work collectively?" And part of the part of the uh, the concept there is, at least with our group, is that we're sharing that rebate with our frontline salespeople. So that, you know they're getting a, a significant piece of that rebate goes back to the frontline salespeople that uh, that that move the needle on these preferred vendors. So All right. So so you're everybody. A better a better experience for yeah me. all right but we gotta we gotta back up the train a little bit because Sorry, you, you're you're, tanta you're tantalizing everybody with the idea of not only does it exist but it already sounds like it's gonna be of benefit to me so but before we get there let's think a little bit about so like um, you and I both have had the opportunity good fortune to sit in the room at the ASI counselor awards typically held around the ASI Chicago show in the summertime and 
It really is our industry's chance to sort of celebrate our performance and and rank ourselves and see how we're doing. You know, if if you're a competitor, I don't care who you are, or what sport you play. If you're not paying attention to the leaderboard, it means you're not trying hard enough. And I'm not saying that there's folks out there who have the opportunity to be one of the 40 largest distributors or suppliers in the industry. What I am saying though, is that when you're participating in that race, it does mean something if you are able to go up or go down. So there we sit. And I always felt like if there's some puzzling notion in the industry to me when it comes to ranking our sales performance, it's that franchise organizations are allowed to aggregate their collective volume into a grand total that allows them the opportunity to position themselves as being amongst the biggest grand total organizations within the within the industry. And Rod, I don't know where you come out on that, but to me, I always felt like that was somewhat unfair because if I'm an employee of an organization that is all employees, then that means our collective sales effort is the sum total of our own efforts. If you're all individual franchise owners, do I as the franchise holder have the opportunity to really determine how much or how little you're going to sell? And so that that to me is when I look at buying groups, I look at it as that's the equalizer for the buying group to be able to say, all right, well, if a franchise organization has the opportunity to aggregate their spend, to the benefit of all of its members, then buying groups should be afforded the same opportunity. Is that, you, you feel like that's fair? Well, I, I, I mean, well, and I think my mom used to always tell me life's not fair. So <laughs> right. Get used to it, right? Whether or not it's fair, I don't know. I think that the rules of commerce just simply take over. Whatever, you know, fairness does not necessarily apply. It's the rules of commerce. So what we try to do is we, you know, and I think the franchise do the same thing. We try to aggregate that spend and use it as a bargaining tool. Right. Use it as collective bargaining tool. Yeah. If that makes sense to our vendor partner and that good, clear communication, and uh, you know, is real and open and honest, and we can find it to make sense, then the rules of commerce will apply, and and let's get on with it and let's go do some business together. Right. right? Um, yep. But but whether or not it's like well the shit you know. The, you get into the whole thing, you know, about distributors bypassing suppliers and indirectly, <laughs> and suppliers selling to end users directly. And is that fair? And you're going to hide behind some, some, you know, crazy rule that the rules of commerce will break down. Right. You know, you've got to compete. You've got to add value. You've got to play by the rules of commerce. Right. Okay. And so, so that there, therein, that's that's a great segue. So, if you are an independent business owner and you are growing your business in the promotional product space, you know, oftentimes one of the largest challenges that you'll have is how do you scale your organization in order to be able to, um, to support your growth, right? And, and there's lots of examples of that. And so, you know, the franchise model presents that opportunity. But what buying groups, I think, does that, is sort of a fork in the road when you're making decisions about how to how to handle your business as it scales is and I talked I had a, a podcast not too long ago Rod with uh, Bill Petrie and we were talking about collaboration 
And one of the things that came up in that discussion was when you're working as a collabor collaborator, and I think, you know, buying groups in a lot of ways represent a sizable collaboration, it's really, really important that the values of the group who you are participating with are in alignment with your own. And I think for Reciprocity Road, which is what we want to talk about, which is the buying group in which Made to Order is a participant, we'll, and we'll start to peel this onion back here just a little bit as we start to get into it, but talk about when it comes to made to order in your business when you were making a decision about how you might align yourself how how did you arrive at this opportunity where a group like reciprocity road of was was of interest to you well again i think that it's you know well it was an exploration first off i spent quite a bit of time a couple of days embedded with um with uh with one of the other big groups that you know i could sign up for and it was you know a 25 year sort of long history they've got a good organization i could sort of sign up for their suite of services and their packages and just you know go in there and make a pretty significant you know improvement in my bottom line right away by being part of that collective bargaining group but that was as far as it went because there was like you know 45 members or something of the in the group and, you know, I would have been, uh, you know, probably the second largest or largest me distributor member of that group the day we joined. And so a huge preponderance of that group was not my tribe. You know, Seth Godin kind of coined the word the tribe, right? Yep. Uh, uh, you know, of the 40 members, I think 30 of them were less than two and a half million dollars a year in, in business or something, right? And that's not really my tribe that, you know, they, they have different, they have great companies, terrific people, but it's not where, you know, I, I kind of was living at the time. Right. And so then, you know, there, there was, a, there's another, you know, that's what I would call leading class, you know, uh, buying group PeerNet, really great, great outfit, but they've got my number one competitor is their key member in the Bay area. So that's not for me. Sure. Right. They're, first off, they don't want me in there and I don't want to be in there. Right. right? <laughs> um, so, you know, so then, you know, it, it came down to looking around for some other sort of roughly the same size where I, I, where we liked each other's brands, your personal brands stood for something and their company brands stood for something and, and had brand integrity both within the, the, our industry. And, and I felt like the person had brand integrity. So guys like Tom Ghost and Danny Rosen and Todd and, you know, Scott Alterman and, and you know, and Brad at CNS sales. I mean, these guys all have, you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 million, $35 million companies. You know, so they're all sort of in the same sort of space, right? Um, and and I like the people, right? I trust them, right? And I thought if we, so we started kind of getting together and thinking, let's create our own that is a little different, right? It's just a little different, and it's not huge right, in terms of numbers of members. And we're you know great, you know we're not sitting on top of each other geographically speaking. And we all have a little bit different businesses and different spins on our businesses, but we're all sort of in that same size realm. Right? Right. So, so that's kind of how that came about. And as part of that discussion and part of our differentiation, um, you know, kind of led by Danny at Brand Fuel and, and you know, uh, was 
this whole sort of brand good strategy, right? We, you know, I've always kind of felt like it's good for business as well as good for humanity to sort of do the right thing, right? And and and, and shoot, I'm as guilty as anybody of writing a five hundred dollar check and trying to you know have everybody you know think that I'm like really terrific. I don't tell them how much. <laughs> All right. You know, I mean, I, if I can market the value of that, you know, donation or that uh, that work, I will definitely do that, right? Um, so I think it's good business as well as, as sort of doing the right thing, right? So it evolved along those lines. So we decided that early on as part of even our exploration of the name. It was all about we've got to have some – it could be marginal. It could be small. But we have to have fundamentally systematic embedded contributions back to – Cause, meaningful causes and community involvement. So, and what was really interesting was was one of the ones was uh, the Children's Miracle Network, because it's both national in scope but regional. So we could donate to our each regional areas in our company's name, it duly sort of as part of Reciprocity Road, but it's going locally to that chapter. But it all rolls up to a national contribution yeah. as well. So yep. that, you know, so that was that was a neat one to be able to do, right? Who can go wrong with saving sick kids? You know, no uh, doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And and yeah. you know, so again, Rod, you, it's it's so um, your enthusiasm for what you guys are able to accomplish is so palpable. Like I know, one of the first things that I'm going to hear back from folks who are going to listen to this episode is like this idea of like when we combine our efforts for good mm-hmm. this amplification effect that we're capable of is is really something to be excited excited about because like i i said it in one of the uh follow-up sessions on promo kitchen for one of the uh, weekly interviews they did like to to be able to give away a big check is a represent representation of collective effort Right. And, and our ability to rally around the opportunity to do that should be energizing to a group of people who believe in the same thing. And I think that's sort of what makes Reciprocity Road unique in the buying group community is collective bargaining takes all kinds of shapes and sizes. But what you guys have decided is. You're going to use the elements that have been somewhat adopted as industry standard for scalable businesses who are collectively bargaining to be able to ask and get for get things that maybe an individual distributor cannot. And so we'll talk about it specifically and to say that really mostly takes the shape of rebate dollars, right? So right. And what you guys are doing with what you get in return is so unique in the industry with respect to the way it's being used. So I want to give you the opportunity to sort of explain to the listener what what I'm talking about. So like typically a rebate dollar will do one thing for a traditional buying group. So kind of describe that and then describe how Reciprocity Road is using those dollars in comparison. Well, two things. One, I want to be very careful not to sort of speculate on what other groups are doing. Of course, no. Yeah, for sure. I I don't know. And they're all good business people and they have great organizations. You know, they're they're just different and they're maybe more mature than we are. Maybe they have a a different plan. And with us, 
you know, I don't want to tell you that, that I'm so magnanimous that I'm giving away every dollar that I'm getting back. Uh, you know, I, I am not, right? But a good chunk of it goes back to our sales force, right, to incent them, right? Because, again, rules of commerce are, are, are at play here as well, right? But a, another chunk of it goes to our brand good initiatives. Like even we have a little quarterly, you know, sort of a Facebook contest where every employee does a little paragraph write up and puts a picture in in on, hey, here's a cause that, you know, and I had I had three or four of my salespeople submit last quarter. You know, here, here's a cause for, you know, this that I'm involved in. And and then we pick one every month and we feature it and we make a donation to uh, you know, to it, it's five hundred bucks from Rush Cross Road in their name. We donate it to that cause. Um, made to order said any of your any of our employees who win that contest will double that so we'll match the RR contribution with made to order's own contribution and and it gets the employees start thinking about brand good and all you got to do is write up a little story tell us about something you're involved in the community if it's a 5013c uh, submit the, the couple paragraphs in a picture if you win we'll donate the money and 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 then that spreads just a good feeling and good cheer and one of the things I always talk about on causes is they need, besides money, they need exposure. So we're trying to get exposure sometimes to these little micro charities that our salespeople are supporting and, and share the love, you know. Um, you know, so and I, maybe I got a little bit off topic, but I take those, you know, this is, this is fundamentally part of the reciprocity road is, is, is to do good, not just with the money that we're getting back, but, you know, in any way we can to try and make our communities better, to give back both, you know, we're donating product and kind, we're donating money, um, you know, we're trying to expose our employees to things, we're trying to dream up more of these little contests and quick strikes and features and, and things that we can do. But it, it's all about systematic, fundamental, built-in, ongoing contributions to to good organizations and, and to your community. And again, it's not massive amounts of money. Hopefully it's more and more as we get, and, and it has grown already over the years. Um, but it's just this, this get used to this as part of our, our core business philosophy now, this triple bottom line. Triple, yeah, so there it is. And I, I love when we, we hear it over and over and over again, triple bottom line. but. I would say even more importantly, Rod, so th you think about the eight businesses that comprise um, Reciprocity Road and that the entirety of that sales force is certainly larger than any one of the individual businesses on its own. And when we talk about, we'll, we'll revisit this comp concept of the amplification effect. And if made to order is an inspirational organization in and of itself, how much more motivated can and inspired can you be when you see seven other businesses of similar size doing similarly well, I think, I think awesome things, right? The, 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 the whole is greater than the sum of the parts right. kind of thing, right? You right. Know? Uh, um, and, and each one, you know, uh, look, I'm telling you, some, some of the guys who've got, you know, big egos in, in our company too, or in our little bargaining group. And so, Shit, if Danny's going to match five hundred dollars for his employees, <laughs> then I've got to match five hundred dollars for my employees too. And right. Shit, I might even match a thousand, and, and then Tom feels like, 
man, if that I got to do that too, then you know. Yeah. So, but but at least it's it's ego in a in a great way. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. You know it's and, uh, and and believe me, all my partners I'm sure run much better companies than I do. <laughs> But you know, it's just it, it is it is fun. It's it's fun, and it's an and and it feels good. And it just is the, the more that we can kind of do it. And, and one of the interesting things you talk about amplification. Here's a really interesting one. I meant to, I was thinking about this earlier. When we started doing this, just like two years ago, when we launched. We had the photo op, and we're giving away seventy five hundred dollar checks to PPEF and seventy five hundred bucks to Children's Hospital and. You know, and we start, and then we launch our little Facebook campaign, and we're doing some other little things. So what happens is that we, all of a sudden, through sort of our friends and some of the other networks, they went, "Oh man, you know, you guys hit on something. We got to do that too, <laughs> right? We yep. got to do that too." And so I believe that at least one of the other major organizations now, if not two of them, I know they are because, for instance, I see them contributing now to PPEF alone. Sure. You know, with with some big dollars, buying chairs and stuff, right? You know, yeah. Um, and uh, and 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 so what we did is that we were just sort of a first mover on this this sort of uh, systematic, built-in brand good thing within the, within the buying groups, and now we see the others following suit. Well, that that sort of tickles me, to tell you the truth. I think that's just outstanding. You know. It, it, yeah, po positive momentum in the direction that we are hoping to see occur is nothing but uh, an opportunity for all of us to celebrate. And, you know, it's, it's in a lot of ways the beauty of being able to release one of these discussions every other week is the, the notion that there are this many of them to talk about and the fact that the industry really does a lot more than what most people who are participating here really even realize. And but the beauty of it to me is like it, it helps establish a mindset of if I surround myself with people who are doing this kind of work, it really is just inevitable until I will also do that kind of work. So, you know, when uh, I was talking about last week, one of the people will ask the question like, you know, what, what should I do to get started? And I say, if you did nothing other than just surrounded yourself with people who are already doing something, you will eventually be inspired to figure out what it is you want to do too. And, and that oftentimes is the best first step because most people think they have to do something. And really the first thing you have to do is change the way you think. Change the way you think. And then the other one is don't do something one time. Put it in your calendar and do it over and over and over again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just get used to it. Muscle memory. No doubt. No doubt. Like a, a fixing your golf swing, right? So, so, so Rod, so uh, this hashtag that you guys have come up with, this uh, brand, brand good. Uh, how, what, how has brand good changed what happens at made to order? Well, it's, it's, it's a tiny little thing right now, but it, it is that, so for instance, I gave up the role of sort of the brand good person in the company with Reciprocity Road and handed it off to Sarah, one of my partners in Southern California. And Sarah now really got excited about it. So now she's kind of running the, the quarterly contest and sort of whipping up the team, you know, and it just, and she's trying to think of more ideas on how we can expand it now. Um, you know, so, you know, and, and then I was just seeing some emails this morning, you know, and one of the guys commented because Sarah circulated the winner 
one of the guys commented about how cool this was and didn't realize we were doing this and is going to make sure that he submits for next quarter. You know, and it's just it's just a kind of a slow build. Look, everybody's focusing on getting their their order delivered. And what's the tariffs on China going to be? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. They are ninety nine percent of the bandwidth every day is living with your CrackBerry. Like nights, weekends, everything is my shit going to get delivered, right? But but there's a little bit now that sort of says, oh, that's that's pretty neat, man. Yeah. Tell me more, right? Yeah. I'd like to do something. And that's really where we are with it. You know, it's in the, it's fairly early stages, um, but we've already getting you know we're getting some good traction. And the main thing is that it's it's built into our DNA now, right? That's the main thing. Build it into your DNA is now part of the story. People are going to expect that we need to deliver. Yeah, you, it's so uh, it's so funny. Like literally, like you read a- any of what's going on in the industry right now, and the people are like. My my business is booming, but I am scared as hell as tariffs are coming. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> right? Like everyone is just trying to make as much hay as possible until whatever might occur. So that will be very interesting. But yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, it's one of those things where when you get a minute to look up over the top of your screen for a second, mm-hmm. I think people are starting to think a little bit more along the lines of when I get that minute, what could I do? that could help make the world a better place. And I think, you know, we, that's the yeah. beauty of promo cares in a lot of way. And I think it, it even, not even just in the promotional products industry, but the sense of purpose being the fifth P is, you know, it, it's turning a corner. And I think even we're fortunate enough in our industry that maybe we're turning the corner with it instead of behind it yeah. for one of the first times. But what, Rod, if if that's true, if if I'm got that right, what what do you think is going to be the the push that'll send the the whole industry around the corner? What, what's got to happen between here and there? I I think it's you know it's this uh, it's just a thousand little steps. Is that if 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 companies will and I'm not saying look to what Rush Pressure Road is doing, but um, it, it just if you can build in. A little bit of this you've got to serve your community right yeah. and and whatever that means to you whatever that means to you right your fellow man your community right and you and your business has to stand for something other than just commerce right and it can be very small in the beginning plant the seed I tell you it'll feel good and 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 it's the right thing to do and it may even lead to more business Okay, so, you know, if you just plant that seed and water it and nurture it and let it grow and and just keep going, I think that's really what it is. I don't think there's a tectonic shift that will take place. But what happens is that the momentum of everybody planting those seeds and everybody watering them and everybody just starts building their DNA that that you instill in your company and in yourself the need to serve others and serve the globe, serve your local community, whatever that is, right? You know, donate money to the, you know, environmental cause, to Children's Hospital, to cancer research, and and don't just give them the money, but give them part of your heart and part of your mind. Yeah. And and don't do it just personally. Make it a company cause and a company function, and get others to buy in. 
Yeah, you know, Rod, you said it uh, earlier. When it's a recurring theme here on the podcast about this notion of tribe, and I feel like there's still a, a healthy amount of disdain for that, that the idea of like, hey man, like I don't want to do business with everybody. I just want to do business with the people who want to do business with what I believe in, and yeah. yet, and yet. For the people who have made that journey or, and are on the other side of it, it makes it easier to hire. It makes it easier to fire. It makes it easier to know who it is you're trying to do business with. It makes it yeah. easier to know a whole lot of stuff. And you don't have to do it. Nobody has, like, none of what we're saying is anything anybody has to do. Here, here's where I'm going to take exception <laughs> right. with that. If you listen to my mom, you have to do it. All <laughs> right. <laughs> if you have the means, right, you have the responsibility. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and we're, we're all on journeys of different speeds to that destination, and we hope that, you know, at least in some small part, this conversation is a, a push in that direction. Just to say, if nothing else, like, you can find people that maybe you believe in that are even as good or better than you if that's what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. But the only way to do that is to start with to know what it is that you're looking for, right, Rod? Yeah, that's it. Right. So So looking for looking for a redemption. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> looking for redemption. Well, right now we're looking for some 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 safety from tariffs. But in the meantime, <laughs> Rod, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. And I'm sure thank, thank that you, uh, we'll, we'll get an opportunity to do it again. It, yeah. Thanks so much. All guys. We'll say goodbye now.